today on Ag News Daily. In the U.S., population-wise, number of farmers, it's, you know, it's going to be at least about 10 times bigger in the U.S. versus Canada. And I found that in every aspect from um, the number of media and publications to know through to the different types of, of farmers and farming. Good afternoon and happy Friday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. And I'm so excited that it's Friday. But honestly, Delaney, don't think that I'm going to have too fun of a Friday afternoon evening because I haven't really been feeling well today. I had a little bit of a headache. So I'm just taking it easy today. What about you? That's okay. That's good to take that easy a few days. It's okay to relax. Uh, Today has been busy for me. We're looking at hiring some folks here at my firm, but uh, otherwise it's pretty gloomy, kind of rainy Friday afternoon. So hopefully that's given some much needed reprieve to folks that are dry across the country. But looks like at least here in central Iowa, we're going to have some pretty well wet showers all across the weekend. Yeah, we're supposed to get some rain here in Lubbock as well. I think it honestly, it might turn into some kind of bad weather and some thunderstorms. They sent out a text today, the university did, saying that they had moved graduation indoors, Mm. moved those times up. So I don't know. I am expecting it to be a little harsh just by that. I haven't looked at any kind of radar or weather channel yet, but uh, I guess I'm just putting it all in the hands of Texas Tech University. (laughs) That's all right. Hopefully they make a good decision. Do you have to go to graduation? Because that's a big question. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. <laughs> I'm not walking or anything like that. They had a ceremony last weekend for 2020 graduates, but I didn't participate in that. I think it rained on them too, that graduation. So I don't know. It just seems like the universe doesn't want people to graduate. Well, there's a lot going on right now, but hopefully things are starting to slow down. And I'll kick it off here with this piece of news. We talked a little bit about the barge crack that we uh, saw in the Memphis area, the Hernando de Soto Bridge. Well, it appears that they are going to be allowing barges to resume traffic. That came out about, I believe, 9.30 this morning. The U.S. Coast Guard announced that they would allow barge traffic again to resume immediately. So I believe barges are already on their way, but we we saw... It closed down for about two days. So we have seen a little bit of a backlog of barges, but not too terribly many. Um, But it is unclear when transit will resume to normal because they are, I believe, keeping the bridge closed for car traffic. So just barges will be allowed to continue their transportation route for now. I saw that as well, Delaney, which is pretty exciting. I'm glad that those barges are able to return to normal transportation because like you said, there was a little bit of a backlog there. So hopefully things do return to normal and all is safe there. But uh, we've got some news coming from the USDA as Jewel Brano is now confirmed as Deputy Secretary of the USDA, which is making her the first woman of color to serve in this role. Brano previously served as commissioner for the Virginia Department of Agriculture, Virginia State Executive Director for the USDA's FSA, and Dean of the College of Agriculture at Virginia State University. So Brano has quite the track record. 
Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack said that Brano has a, a long, distinguished career as an educator and champion for farmers of rural communities and says that he looks forward to working with her to ensure the department serves all people equally and fairly. The National Association of State Departments of Agriculture CEO Barb Glenn thanked the administration for recognizing state ag department leaders as important and informed voices on ag policy and regulation, highlighting Brano's development of the Farmers Stress Task Force in 2019 and significant role in their organization helping rural America recover from the pandemic. Zippy Duval, who is president of American Farm Bureau and National Association of Wheat Growers CEO Chandler Gould, have also expressed support of Brano's confirmation. So just another step there that the Biden administration is taking to put people into office. I don't know a whole lot about Jewel Brano or, you know, what she's really done in those roles that she's had in the past, but excited for the future, I guess. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. Uh, Let's see, but looking to the future, we've got some news here on the international front. China has yet again stepped in to buy more corn as of this morning. They purchased about 53.54 million bushels, and this is the fourth largest purchase we've seen here that the country has bought from the United States, and we've seen in total this week, about 174 million bushels of grain purchased by China just this week alone. So it certainly does indicate to me that China is indeed stockpiling corn and uh, they're going to be looking to continue to buy here until I don't know what their goal is as far as how much they're intending to stockpile, but it does certainly indicate that it's probably going to be a lot. Well, Delaney, I have a bit of a, well, I guess I don't know if it's considered a follow-up, but it seems that JBS South America isn't too affected, I guess, by what's been going on with Saudi Arabia, because Brazil's JBS essay said that it will invest 1.85 billion rias, which is equivalent to $351.39 million in Panara State, through 2025 as it seeks to expand its capacity in Brazil's biggest poultry producing state. JBS said in a statement that it will build a new processed foods factory there and it will increase capacity of its Rolinda plant by 25%. So some good news there. I don't think that they're going to have, you know, Saudi Arabia as a, a market by the looks of it. But I mean, $351 million to expand capacity, that's quite a bit of an investment that they're making. That certainly is, Ashton. That certainly is. And actually, speaking of investments, this isn't really a good investment, but we got a roundup verdict of $25 million that is going to be upheld by federal appeals court. And yes, that $25 million damage was due to roundup. This is referring back to the case of the Californian man who contracted non-Hodgkin's lymphoma after claimed decades of exposure to Roundup. And the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit Court upheld the lower court's verdict that Roundup was a substantial factor in causing this disease in the uh, plaintiff. So 
major win for him, not such a major win for agriculture and uh, more specifically Bear here, who, of course, acquired Monsanto back in 2018, taking on the burdens such as these court cases. So I believe from here, there is maybe one more court that could theoretically that they could theoretically appeal to. But I think we're getting pretty close to the top before it gets to the Supreme Court. Well, Delaney, that's some pretty unfortunate news. It sounds like there, but I am all out of things to talk about today. There really wasn't a whole lot that was going on this Friday afternoon. So I'm ready to hop into the markets if you are. I certainly am. You're right. There was not a whole lot of excitement going on today in Ag News. I think a lot of folks were waiting to see what happened with that barge announcement, barge traffic there, but it has resumed. So hopefully that gives the markets a little bit of time to calm down here. However, as I mentioned earlier, I think quite a few areas are expected to get rain this weekend, which could, again, put a little dampen on the markets. No pun intended there, Ashton, Uh, but it, it could tamp down some fears for at least a little while about weather concerns. So we'll we'll be pushing that can, kicking that can down the road a little bit more, it could appear. But let's look at where today's commodity prices closed. The July corn contract down 31 cents today to close at 6.43 and three quarters. The D's down 15 and a half to close at 5.42 and three quarters. In soybeans today, just Tiny move to the upside as the July contract added two and two quarters cents to close at 15.86 and two quarters. November new crop adding four and a half, four and a quarter cents to close right above $14 at $14 and three quarters of a cent. In the Chicago wheat pits today, the July contract up five and three quarters cents to close at 707 and a quarter. The beasts up four and a quarter to close at 709 and three quarters. Taking a look at the livestock markets today. There is a little bit of mixed trade across the complex, cattle complex specifically, with the August cattle, or excuse me, the June live cattle contract down 30 cents to close at 115.30. The August down 57 and a half cents to close at 118.82 and a half. And in feeder cattle, the May, excuse me, the August contract up 65 cents today to close at 151.15. The September up 70 cents to close at 152.67 and a half. Hopping over to take a look at the lean hog market's weakness today as the June contract shed $1.37 and a half to close at 10872 and a half. The July down $1.10 to close at 109 even. And wrapping up our markets with the class three dairy milk futures weakness across the screen today as the June contract shed 22 cents to close at 1940. The July down 20 to close at 1968. Ashton, let's turn it over to today's AgRad 30 under 30 segment. 1.85 billion rias, which is equivalent to 351.39 million dollars in Panara State through 2025 as it seeks to expand its capacity in Brazil's biggest poultry producing state. JBS said in a statement that it will build a new processed foods factory there and it will increase capacity of its Rolinda plant by 25%. So some good news there. I don't think that they're going to have, you know, Saudi Arabia as a a market by the looks of it. But I mean, $351 million to expand capacity, that's quite a bit of an investment that they're making. That certainly is, Ashton. That certainly is. And actually, speaking of investments, this isn't really a good investment, but we got a roundup verdict of $25 million that is going to be upheld by federal appeals court. And yes, that $25 million damage was due to Roundup. This is referring back to the case of 
the Californian man who contracted non-Hodgkin's lymphoma after claimed decades of exposure to Roundup. And the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit Court upheld the lower court's verdict that Roundup was a substantial factor in causing this disease in the uh, plaintiff. So, Major win for him, not such a major win for agriculture and uh, more specifically Bear here, who, of course, acquired Monsanto back in 2018, taking on the burdens such as these court cases. So I believe from here, there is maybe one more court that could theoretically that they could theoretically appeal to. But I think we're getting pretty close to the top before it gets to the Supreme Court. Well, Delaney, that's some pretty unfortunate news, it sounds like there, but I am all out of things to talk about today. There really wasn't a whole lot that was going on this Friday afternoon, so I'm ready to hop into the markets if you are. I certainly am. You're right. There was not a whole lot of excitement going on today in ag news. I think a lot of folks were waiting to see what happened with that barge announcement, barge traffic there, but it has resumed, so hopefully that gives the markets a little bit of time to calm down here. However, as I mentioned earlier, I think quite a few areas are expected to get rain this weekend, which could, again, put a little dampen on the markets. No pun intended there, Ashton. Uh, But it it could tamp down some fears for at least a little while about weather concerns. So we'll, we'll be pushing that can, kicking that can down the road a little bit more, it could appear. But Let's look at where today's commodity prices closed. The July corn contract down 31 cents today to close at 643 and three quarters. The D's down 15 and a half to close at 542 and three quarters. In soybeans today, just tiny move to the upside as the July contract added two and two quarters cents to close at 1586 and two quarters. November new crop adding four and a half, four and a quarter cents to close right above $14 at $14 and three quarters of a cent. In the Chicago wheat pits today, the July contract up five and three quarters cents to close at 707 and a quarter. The Dees up four and a quarter to close at 709 and three quarters. Taking a look at the livestock markets today. There is a little bit of mixed trade across the complex, cattle complex specifically, with the August cattle, or excuse me, the June live cattle contract down 30 cents to close at 115.30. The August down 57 and a half cents to close at 118.82 and a half. And in feeder cattle, the May, excuse me, the August contract up 65 cents today to close at 151.15. The September up 70 cents to close at 152.67 and a half. Hopping over to take a look at the lean hog market's weakness today as the June contract shed $1.37 and a half to close at 108.72 and a half. The July down $1.10 to close at 109 even. And wrapping up our markets with the Class 3 dairy milk futures weakness across the screen today as the June contract shed 22 cents to close at 19.40. The July down 20 to close at 19.68. Ashton, let's turn it over to today's AgRad 30 under 30 segment. Well, for today's AgRad 30 Under 30 segment, we are joined by Rosie Thoney, who is the PR and content person for Ad Farm. Rosie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Delaney. Thrilled to be here. So, Rosie, looking through your background, you've got a pretty interesting one. Why don't you, I don't want to even steal any of your thunder. Why don't you just walk <laughs> us through your background? It's a little bit of a meandering path. Uh, So I am originally from Southern Alberta, Canada. My family had a grain farm and purebred Hereford cattle operation. 
So I spent a lot of time growing up heavily involved in um, junior Hereford events in 4-H. And that was where that and the farm where I really fostered my passion for agriculture and communications overall. Um, I knew I wanted to be in the agriculture field after I graduated high school. I took my first couple of years of university at the University of Alberta in agribusiness and decided fairly early on that I really wanted that marketing communications focus without losing the ag side. So I started doing a little research. There aren't, unfortunately, yet any uh, full degree programs that have agriculture and communications in Canada yet. So I started looking stateside. I'd known a few people that had great experiences at a few American schools. So after some extensive research and back and forth with academic advisors, I landed on Oklahoma State University for their agriculture communications background. And Rosie, you're still working with the university on a couple of things. So before we get talking about your career and what you're doing with Ad Farm, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So I did have a great experience at Oklahoma State University in the Ag Communications program, and it was always something that I wanted to give back to when I had the opportunity. So a few years after graduating, I was approached by one of my professors to come involved in the OSU AgCom Advisory Council. This was something new they were starting up, and after a few years, it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, our role is essentially to act as those advisors, as alumni, um, to the professors and the people within the Ag Communications program. So we're looking at things like curriculum for, you know, are they following current trends? Is there anything that we're missing teaching the students? Uh, is Are there any areas where um, we might be falling behind other programs just based on what we as alumni are seeing from the people we're interviewing and what we're seeing out um, kind of in, in the, in the non-academic world? So that's been a wonderful opportunity just to give back. We review senior portfolios. We kind of give that feedback from the professional communication side of things as to what we can be teaching our Oklahoma State students in the AgCom program. That certainly is fascinating, Rosie, and uh, very interesting. Makes sense why you've been nominated for this year's 30 under, last year's 30 under 30 cohort. But let's talk a little bit more about your day job, because if you don't stay busy enough already with that stuff, you obviously have a full-time job. You work for Ad Farm that you started there directly out of college. Tell us a little bit about Ad Farm and what you do with your role. Yeah, so Ad Farm is a marketing and advertising agency with the unique spin that um, we only focus on agriculture clients. So most of the work we do is helping our clients market directly to farmers and ranchers. And that was something that appealed to me for many reasons. I've always been so passionate about not just communicating the messages of farmers and ranchers, but also communicating to those farmers and ranchers about the options available to them to help them do business. So I started with Ad Farm right out of college, as you said. I've been there now for seven years and experienced some great growth within my career there. Um, from starting out kind of more junior PR level, moving up to leading accounts, and now leading our, our US PR team. So my day job, I do like to joke that I've never lived the same day twice there. So it keeps things very interesting. It's, it includes anything from training executive teams to handling media relations, pitching, uh, events and trade shows, all the way through to content creation, reporting, social media. So it is extremely diverse. Um, I remember when I was looking at my career options prior to graduating, I had worried that going into PR at an agency would pigeonhole me into something too specific versus going in more of a generalist role in agriculture. And I still like to look back at that and laugh because 
I've never quite felt pigeonholed ever into anything. If anything, it's it's extremely broad and and allows some great opportunities for growth within the PR field. Rosie, with you being a Canadian transplant, do you think that there's any, you know, kind of maybe disadvantages or, you know, humps that you had to get over being a U.S. public relations representative within your company that you really had to kind of fight against? I've learned a ton about American agriculture. I I often told people when they asked me about what it was like going to school in Oklahoma, um, if people had wondered if there was a culture shock. And I've said, really, no, the cultural lines in North America kind of run more north and south than anything. I think I might have had more of a culture shock going to school in Toronto or Halifax than I did going from Alberta to Oklahoma. So a lot of things I felt like I could pick up right away. But there are many others where um, even just the extreme breadth and depth of the agriculture industry here in the U.S., you know, you have everything from your fruits and vegetables, tree and vine crops in California um, to corn and soybeans and the corn belt and all of that incredible production. So it was learning about all of the regionality, all of the different types of agriculture and just the size, um, everything in the U.S. population wise, number of farmers. It's, you know, it's going to be at least about 10 times bigger in the U.S. versus Canada. And I found that in every aspect from um, the number of media and publications to know through to the different types of, of farmers and farming. So if anything, it's just been a fantastic challenge and learning curve. We have some great people on our team at Ad Farm who are actually trained agronomists and dedicated to distilling research for us. So I lean on those people a ton. Just if I ever have any doubts or questions, I'm reaching out to them and saying, okay, I know how it works on a Western Canadian canola and small grains farm, but is this really how it's going to work in the middle of Illinois? So it's been, if anything, just a great learning opportunity. And Rosie, kind of a final wrap-up question here for you, but obviously you were part of last year's 30 under 30 cohort. You have spent a long time uh, working and changing your career and, and adapting, obviously, to living and working somewhere completely different than where you grew up. But for those young people listening that, or even not necessarily young people, but folks that want to make a change, they want to do something different, or they just want to figure out where their path fits in their life. Uh, what advice do you have for those people? Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things to do is to have conversations with either new grads or people early in their career who are looking at that. Okay. These are my talents, but can I really turn this into a career? And my advice for one is to start or try somewhere where you'll be in a pretty general position if you're not sure. Um, somewhere like an association or a smaller agency or a smaller company where you'll kind of get to wear all the hats as far as communications go. You might be dabbling in a little bit of photography, graphic design, writing, and strategy. And that's where you can usually find those areas that you really thrive. And then don't be afraid to pick a specialty. I think a lot of people, especially just coming out of college, are worried about um, making themselves too narrow, kind of like I was pigeonholing themselves in one area. So really picking PR or photography or videography. But I've seen people that I graduated with and that I've encountered through my career become extremely successful in what I might have thought originally was a really narrow field. So it's not about, um, you know, making sure you can do everything all the time. It's really about trying a few different things, not being afraid to jump into something that you might not have thought was the right fit for you at first, and then really honing in on where you found not only do you have some talent and some ability, but it's something you really enjoy doing every day. 
Well, Rosie, it's been great getting to know a little bit more about you and for our listeners that maybe want to learn even more than that, or if they want to interact with AdFarm, how can they do so? You bet. So adfarm.com, um, you can learn all about us on there. And there's also a contact page. So if you reach out there, um, you can reach me or any of my colleagues and would be happy to discuss with you, even if it's just more of a general career or what we do everyday question. Um, we're, we're always happy to chat. Awesome. Well, Rosie, thank you again so much for joining us today. And congratulations for being part of the 30 Under 30 cohort. Thank you so much, Ashton and Delaney. Well, again, a big thank you there to Rosie for coming on and chatting with us. Certainly interesting to hear her background, especially kind of being a transplant, if you will, from Canada. But we welcome her uh, to the podcast for sure. We've got quite a few Canadian listeners, so we brought one of their own to the show today. Absolutely, Delaney. And we're having another Canadian on the show next week. So folks, you're going to have to tune in for more on that, especially our Canadian listeners. And if you ever have any ideas on who we can talk to, whether that's here in the U.S. or abroad, you can always reach out to us on social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Ag News Daily. We're always open to suggestions and you can listen to any past episodes of the podcast on agnewsdaily.com. And with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.